The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra-Collins, The Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we've got an interesting one spanning uh, WA and the Northern Territory. Main focus in recent times has been iron ore and copper gold, but it's uh, also been building a, a very handy uh, portfolio of what we might call future-facing metals and uh, materials, rare earths, niobium, lithium. The company's name is Kufi. Otherwise, some people might call it C-U-F-E. Um, the code is nice and simple at C-U-F, trading at 1.3 cents for a market cap of 13 million. So we've got a lot to talk here uh, about, and we've got the Executive Director, Mark Hancock, with us today. G'day, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Barry. It's my pleasure. Now, Mark, I mentioned uh, the iron ore. Let's uh, jump into it with the uh, production interest there at uh, the JWD operation about 40 kilometres west of Waluna in the gold fields. What's, uh, what's the latest from on the iron ore front for you guys there? Yeah, so that's a little project that we started uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, we do probably uh, a ship, ship and a half a month out of the Geraldton port. We decided to get that one up and running uh, super quickly and super cheaply, uh, about a four or five million dollar capex. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically just kept it all pretty simple, contractor stuff using other people's camps and facilities in large part. And uh, yeah, super high grade material, 63, 64% um, DSO uh, lump product. And we basically uh, truck it to uh, to Geraldton Port. So uh, it's been a good project for us. It's got an inherently higher cost base given the um, location, uh, you know, is best part of 800 k's away. But uh, the revenue line is, is equally high with the, uh, the high grade of it. So mm. it's working pretty well. And the iron ore price is uh, performing nicely at the moment. See, so it's more than 110 a ton for 62%. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think we were back at 116 uh, yesterday, which is really? a, a nice number for us. And uh, I'd just say it got down to sort of probably only a couple of weeks ago around 100, which uh, probably started to get a little bit uh, a little bit tighter for us. So we're very pleased to, to see it bounce up. But the way we set this project up is to, as I mentioned, with low capex, but also with the operating contracts, we, uh, we keep them super flexible um, so that we can start and stop if it does uh, necessitate. So while we, of course, love the high, high oil price, it is... You know, something that we can manage in the event that it goes down. We just slow things down a little bit. So probably a little bit of an unusual model for a, for a listed company. It's almost more like a private model where we sort of run it almost as a, a swing producer. But what we try to do to, to mitigate the need to close down or to slow down is, is have a hedging program in place that gives us, you know, typically four to six months worth of coverage. Um, and that gives us a bit of a uh, bit of runway to, to work through any sort of short term hiccups in, you know, in oil prices and, so yeah, that model's uh, worked pretty well for us over the last couple of years. So at the moment, it'd be more than washing its face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, especially with uh, you know we're saying price up, but also we've obviously got a sub sixty five uh, currency at the moment and freight, which had probably been up as high as sort of thirty bucks uh, twelve or fifteen months ago, is out of Geraldton at the moment. We're fixing around fourteen or fifteen bucks. So um, yeah, with a combination of those things, uh, definitely is in uh, in the black at the moment. Okay. So let's shift focus to the NT where you have the Yarram Iron Ore Project. Um, 
potentially larger project, I guess. Uh, tell us about that. It's about 110 k's south of Darwin, so you're a bit close to the port there. Is that uh, being uh, viewed as a, another digging truck sort of operation? Yeah, very much so. So um, I guess myself and a lot of the uh, the team that we've got at QFI are ex-Atlas Iron guys, so we're sort of used to building these small uh, um, DSO iron mines and getting them into production pretty quickly. So, Oh, you were the pioneers. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we were one of the early runners in that space. So uh, we, um, we're very much looking to, to replicate that at, at Yarram. Again, similar uh, to JWD, uh, skinny capex, maybe a little bit more than JWD, but um, certainly the opex will be, uh, will be a fraction of what we, uh, we have at JWD, you know, with the big difference being, as you mentioned, the, uh, the haulage, we're probably sort of, you know, depending on which way we go, in the order of 100Ks from a, from a nice uh, port that's got plenty of spare capacity on, you know, and basically we drive up there on uh, on three-lane highway 90% of the way. So haulage um, mm. task is going to be very straightforward there. Um, we just need to work through and finalise the uh, the approvals for, for that one. The actual mine execution piece will be be quite straightforward. Um, we're on the ground at the moment doing some some diamond drilling, which will give us some good intel into the, uh, the product uh, characterization in terms of you know what percentage of lump material we can expect and uh, we've also done a couple of geotech holes to help us with with pit design and pit angles and that to, to try and keep the uh, the strip as, as skinny as we can in, in getting into it so yeah i think it's an interesting little product uh, and project it's you know it's a 60 plus iron ore within 100 k's of uh, of a major port so i don't think there's uh, there's many of those around so yeah it's, it's certainly one if we can get through and get it into production the economics of it are very strong yeah. Does it have some tonnage potential to it? It's probably still fairly small. You know, at the moment we've got, um, I guess we've got two sort of stages of the resource, if you like. We've got the plus 60 material, which is in the order of five to six million tonnes currently. Um, okay. Probably a little bit of growth there, but, you know, we're sort of seeing that as a million and a half, a four or five year type type project. And then it's probably about another 10 million tonnes of sort of uh, low 50s type material, which probably doesn't jump out at people, but uh, certainly we've, we've sold that sort of material in the past in the right market and uh, being so close to the port and the OPEX being where it is, you know, if we're liberating that material effectively as waste in mining the, the higher grade, it's going to owe us very little. Um, and so we think that uh, either as a, a low grade direct shipping ore or perhaps with some simple, uh, you know, size fraction separation and, and mm. upgrading, we can uh, we can get that up to a sort of a mid-50s, uh, 55, 56, you know, a, uh, sort of a super special finds Fortescue type uh, type material that uh, that should be well regarded in the market as well. So that would obviously give us quite a upstick in the scale of the project if we can also bring those lower grade tons into the mix. Uh, um, just as a point of interest, the what sort of shipping time in uh, would you save shipping from uh, Darwin as distinct from uh, I don't know Port Hedland? Yeah, so you're probably looking at. Uh, out of Geraldton, we're probably sort of 14 days out of, uh, to, to China, say, out of uh, Port Hedland, you'd probably be sort of 11 or 12. Out of Darwin, we're probably 9 or 10 or, you know, 8 to 10. So okay. um, it all, all helps. And you've uh, compared to Geraldton, where we can only do sort of 60,000 type vessels in Darwin, we can do probably mid-80s. So you'd be able to get a, a bigger class of vessel and obviously a cheaper haul. Uh, so, yeah, you will see um, some good rates there. And what we've found with our material so far, and we think the Yarram project is likely to be similar, the Southeast Asian markets, they quite like the smaller vessels uh, because they mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to have, you know, 200,000 tonnes of material. <laughs> They've got to sort of store somewhere yeah. or find a way to get into their port. Uh, mm -hmm. So if we're going to, say, Indonesia or Vietnam or Malaysia, all of which yeah, are places yeah, that we've been sure. selling, then you're probably yeah. only talking, you know, four or five days uh, sailing from Darwin. So, uh, 
yeah, we could have a, quite a competitive advantage there. Yeah, and they're all growth areas too, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Indonesia, the main customer we're using up there, they've opened up a new blast furnace just recently, which is sort of doubling their production. And, uh, you know, in Malaysia, Vietnam, you're seeing a lot of the Chinese mills starting to have sort of outreach, uh, you know, associations with some of the, the companies over there to sort of, you know, they're probably getting, uh, it's more difficult for them to get approvals to get new mills in China these days. So they're looking to partner with with mills in other emerging markets to uh, to grow. So some of our old China relationships are helping us to grow into the Southeast Asian market. Mm-hmm. Okay. So staying in uh, the NT, we've got the Orlando Copper Project, Copper Gold Project, about uh, 30 k's northwest of Tennant Creek, an area known for uh, its high-grade mineralisation. Uh, what's the story at Orlando? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's a, an interesting one, probably one that, both internally and externally, we haven't been um, pushing hard enough because I think uh, you know a project that's got an existing open pit with uh, you know one point sort of five to one point seven percent copper sitting in it uh, is uh, is pretty interesting. So yeah. we've got we've got a couple of areas there. Orlando is is the area that's got the existing open pit, uh, which was mined up until the late nineties, um, and so we've been looking at doing a cutback of of that pit. Um, to get a, a small-scale uh, project up and running fairly quickly, more like mm. DSO iron ore projects that we've talked about, um, and so that's uh, we've done some some drilling there. We've done some uh, uh, some environmental work. We've done some mine planning. Um, we've done some metallurgical test work uh, to sort of come up with some concepts around that. And then uh, over at the uh, Orlando, uh, next to Orlando, probably about another sort of five k's or so away, we've got the old Gecko mine, which was also mined historically. Yeah, there's a couple of other areas there, uh, uh, Monitor and Goanna, that are sort of exploration upside areas there. So that was mined underground, that one. So you've got all the underground infrastructure still in place, but does need a bit of work to get it all up and running. But uh, what we see is there's you know quite a bit of exploration potential in those areas, uh, more so than Orlando. Orlando is probably the more mature one, but it's the open pitable one. Uh, but yeah, in those other areas, uh, you know, there's previously been identified quite a bit of exploration upside there. And um, uh, the area had been under joint venture between Emerson, who have been very active in the area for a long time, and then Evolution had farmed in. And when they broke up that joint venture, they sort of divvied up the ground between themselves and Evolution took the part that, that we've ended up with and they sort of saw some good potential in that. But uh, those guys, as you would know, they run a pretty disciplined approach of only having a small number of assets in their portfolio and they decided ultimately they had some some bigger fish to fry. So they... Uh, they moved out of that one and we moved in, but the fact that they'd sort of identified it as the priority area for them to, uh, to mm-hmm. focus on was encouraging for us. And, um, yeah, as I say, we probably, in the exploration sense, we probably haven't done uh, as much work on it yet as we would have liked to just with um, with other priorities. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a big thing for us coming up to get in there because, you know, the copper thematic is one that we're, uh, we're super excited about. Mm. Does it have... Um a jork compliant resource estimate on it at the moment or it does in terms of the uh the residual resource so one of the pieces of work we did was upgrade the old old uh 2004 resource to to 2012 uh so we've got about 7.2 million tons there um at about uh 1.3 sort of percent overall copper grade um, yeah, so that gives us about 100 and uh, you know low 120 uh thousand tons of copper and there's also about 0.6 gold average across that varies from deposit to deposit. So, um, yeah, obviously, if you go through the, the notional value of, uh, you know, 127,000 uh, tons of copper's worth, it's uh, mm. a lot. So we've just got to work out how to uh, uh, to best uh, activate uh, a program to get that out of the ground. And as I say, also importantly, to, to see what other opportunity there is to, to grow the resource. But 
there's two or three other parties that are have got sort of probably um, you know smaller scale copper deposits in that area that are that are working through the process. So I guess ultimately we'd like to look at some agglomeration, you know, of uh, of operations with some of those guys, and uh, you know try and come up with an efficient operation that can uh, can make us all some money. Mm. Tenon Creek, of course, famous for its uh, super high grade copper deposits over the years, uh, and uh, consolidation agglomeration. Yeah, that could be the way forward. Now let's go back to WA. There seems to be, uh, re- in recent times, a concerted push to build up a portfolio of future-facing um, metal and uh, material interests, um, rare earths, lithium and niobium. I'm not sure which one uh, to start with, so I'm going to let you choose which one's exciting you most at the moment. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, as you say, I think it's a conscious strategy. All those probably three that we've talked about before, uh, the JWD, the Yarram and the Tennant Creek, they're all pretty mature uh, assets, I guess, and mm-hmm. um, you know, got existing resources. And uh, you know, it's a matter now of how to move those forward into production. And you know, we've demonstrated through JWD our ability to do that. And so we're probably a little bit different than a lot of juniors in that we've got that operational operational capability in the in the business. But equally, you know, we did want to try and have that little bit of uh, you know blue sky opportunity, I guess. So as you say, we've consciously positioned to try and. Uh, Use our connections and network to identify a couple of uh, opportunities. Um, probably the one that I would start with because I think it's probably the most advanced of the ones that you've mentioned is um, the ground that we've acquired down near the Mount Marion uh, area there. So um, there's been a lot of activity down there uh, in recent times. You've seen uh, develop coming in and, and bidding for Essential uh, not far from us. Obviously, the Alita miners, uh, the Bull Hill, you know, ex Alita mine is down in that region as well, which is the subject of a lot of conversation at the moment in terms of, uh, of where to get that up and running. Um, uh, Minrias have farmed into the Marquee Resources ground, which abuts our ground uh, that we've acquired there. So um, well, we've only been in there uh, less than six months. The guys have spent a lot of time on the on the ground uh, doing some mapping and rock chipping, etc. cetera. Uh, obviously, it takes a little while to get in and do your first drill campaigns, but, um, you know, what we're seeing is some some interesting uh, material and, and largely all of those commodities you mentioned covered on the one tenement actually in fact down there where we've seen uh, some very high grade niobium uh, you know isolated results so uh, early days rock chip stuff but uh, obviously these things are you know all there for some reason and uh, a section in the northern part of the tenement which has had some quite good rare earth results and a section in the southern part of the tenement which has had some some quite interesting lithium results so um, yeah really just on that We've got two tenements down in that area, uh, but the one that we've been focused on today, you know, is in itself a bit of a treasure trove of, uh, of opportunities. So uh, guys were down there again last week doing some more mapping and chipping, and uh, so we'll have some feedback coming through from that in the next few weeks. But uh, probably the next step now really is to, to go through and get the uh, approval to, to run some drill holes into it to, uh, to see what's down there. And we'd expect that that would be some pretty shallow ones to start with just to get a bit of a feel for things. But um there's been prospectors in the area and some little mining licenses. It's mining some some gemstones and tourmalines and things there over uh, a number of years, and, and they have you know a lot of uh, yeah the right sort of indicators as you say. So uh, definitely there's there's the potential in the area. Is there commercial scale? Not sure, but if you've got a uh, you know one plant 25 30 k's away and another one 50 k's away, then you know we don't need to find a, sort of a massive resource to uh, to have something that's that's very economic. So um, yeah, I think that's a, a really good opportunity. Um, probably the one that we'll uh, we'll spend, you know, in terms of the next six months, physical effort and dollars. That's going to be our uh, our key focus area. 
Mm. Yeah, you're right about uh, look at uh, Essential, which is a, a neighbour more or less. I think the resource was 10 million tonnes at 1.1, 1.2, something like that. And IGO and its Chinese partner tried to buy it for 135 and then Billy Beaumont's uh, developer came in, I think it was 145 million. So a lot of value creation very quickly from these uh, lithium, uh, well, the hopefully lithium-bearing pegmatites if you get onto one. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when... Um Back in the old days when Pilbara was first doing a little bit of, uh, of DSO lithium, uh, Atlas helped them out with, with some of the logistics and, and sales around that. So, um, you know, that period from whatever that would have been now, four or five years ago, I guess, all of those parties that were, uh, were our customers uh, back then are ringing me all the time trying to say, can they get some more material? And that, as anyone in the lithium space has noted, it's, it's very um, popular. And so with our truck capacity and our port positioning and things that we uh, – we have through our iron ore business even a, mm. you know, a million or two of, of DSO when you see some of the numbers that people have been coming up with uh, for that material can be uh, can be quite economic. Now that's probably a little bit opportunistic in terms of how long that market uh, avails, but if we can get ourselves moving and uh, and get ready quickly, then, yeah, we see that as an opportunity as well as feeding into those other plants. So, um, yeah, a lot of options down that way. Okay. And uh, you've also... Talking about niobium and, and lithium again, uh, these uh, in the West Arunta, which has been a hotspot for niobium, particularly with WA1 and Encounter Resources. Um, so, what have you acquired there, and what's the forward plan there? Yeah, so we've uh, we've purchased one tenement and pegged another little one uh, up, sort of probably about fifty k's north of, of where those two that you mentioned are. Um, and uh, yeah, some similar uh, sort of looking uh, geology and, and potential in our mind there. So. Um, you know, that area uh, tenure is not granted yet, so we've got a, probably a six-month or so process to, to go through there to, to get the tenure granted and, and get the consents to get on the ground because there is Aboriginal reserve around that area. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned, other parties have been successful in getting into that and we've already had some early-stage engagement with the, uh, with the rep body for the traditional owners and, you know, they've reinforced that the group is, you know, very keen to, to work with um, parties coming in to, to perform work on the ground. So... We expect that all progress pretty smoothly. Probably in the very near term, the focus is really on that part of it. You know, getting it all uh, all good to go, and I, I guess obviously keeping a close eye on on those that are uh, active in the area because you know uh, their success will be our success to some degree. And then it's a matter of you know affirming that that continues onto our ground when we get the chance, uh, probably into next year. Mm. The other pickup I should mention was in the Pilbara. Um, and you're close to uh, Trek Metals, which is, of course, backed by the original Pilbara Minerals boys. Um, so you'll be targeting Swajamin, obviously, there. So that's uh, another application under consideration. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's a little prospecting licence up there that we can uh, we can get on the ground and do some work on uh, on that one at the moment. So, uh, yeah, the team's getting up there, I think, uh, next week to start having a look there. Trek, as you say, is drilling on the end of the tenement. Um you know, we've... Uh, the, You'll get very busy if they hit something decent. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, you know, look, uh, I guess with some of these, it is a question of looking at the prospective geology to start with, and then we'll mm-hmm. uh, continue to, to do the work to firm that up. But as a concept, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the right sort of place. And, uh, you know, they've seen some interesting uh, material on surface. Again, does that continue, uh, you know, in material form below the surface, uh, you know, on their ground and or our ground? Uh, time will tell. But, uh, you know, I think it... it and it's... As a strategy, I think it has worked in terms of getting the, you know, the interest in the market for people that do want that. You know, it gives the people that like to have that 
short-term news flow a little bit more opportunity than um, mm-hmm. some of the other projects, which are all very good and can all add a lot of value, but but have sort of longer dated milestones. So yeah, I think now we've got a, a portfolio that gives us a you know a good mix of each of those uh, sort of uh, assets. Uh, in an ideal world, you're Ryan, or particularly when Yaron um, uh, gets developed, so you'd be a self-funding explorer. Is that achievable? You think? Yeah, certainly that's been the uh, been the aim, and I think in large part it's been the case. We haven't really. Uh, um, you know, the last capital raising we did was to, to fund the um, Tenant Creek purchase and mm-hmm. so the expiration, we have been able to, to do that. I guess we probably missed the very sweet part of the iron ore market sort of in, we started production towards the end of 2021. The start of 2021 was when they had those crazy prices, which would have been yeah. completely transformatory for us. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we've had periods where we've made some quite good money out of it and we've had periods where we've given a little bit of that back. But, um, yeah, I think as a model, that's very much the case, you know, uh, Use that to uh, to be able to keep uh, keep an active exploration uh, base going, and um, uh, you know if, if the hedging's there, it gives us the runway. If the market's not there for a protracted period, where we, uh, we we slow the the production down, if it is there, then it can give us the ability to really get after these projects uh, more aggressively. Um, if we need to, uh, you know, particularly with these battery metal type uh, projects, you know, you're seeing a lot of interest from parties wanting to to farm in and that sort of thing. So. We're just fielding those and, and sort of taking notes as to what the interest might be. But uh, obviously that could be a way to, to help to move some of the projects forward without um, diluting shareholders. But uh, it could be that we can um, you know fund them all for a, for a bit further ourselves to try and add that first bit of value and, uh, and you know, get the full exposure for our shareholders. Yeah, okay. Now, if that's uh, everything we've talked about, it's not enough inside a currently market cap $13 million company. We'll just uh, have a quick look at uh, the Briar Basin. We've got a 20% uh, is it a carried interest in gold and manganese exploration by others. It is, yeah, free carried up there. So uh, a couple of different parties uh, running the joint ventures on our behalf uh, there. Um, uh, Alchemy, uh, you know, Aurus are doing some work there. And I think Aurus had recently announced some uh, some gold and, uh, and manganese results from their uh, campaign. Uh, the ground had primarily been managed by Sandfire for the last uh, five years or so, but uh, yeah, they tried uh, to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so they've sort of uh, decided that they are going to move away from that area generally. But um, yeah, in terms of you know something that's scale for them and something that's scale for us, obviously they're very different. So uh, yeah, having that position there, twenty percent uh, free carry does give us exposure to to another raft of, uh, of drilling programs for, for shareholders to uh, to see what can come up with. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's plenty happening. Okay. So let's just bring it all together, Mark, and give uh, investors um, who always like to try and pin down news news flow uh, events. Just give us a feel for what they should look out for, uh, say, for the rest of this year, calendar year. Sure. Yeah, well, I think as we talked on, iron ore prices uh, mm-hmm. moving up. Um, you know, iron ore inventories in China at mills are, you know, the lowest they've been for 14 or 15 years. So uh, any demand spike there uh, is going to, cause a restocking. So I think, you know, as well, it's not company specific news. I think uh, mm. iron ore price, uh, you know, or steel demand uh, news of a positive nature can be a, a huge catalyst for the company. Um, there's very few places you can buy exposure to uh, to junior iron ore these days, as opposed to, you know, when we were first starting out, there were probably 50 or 60 different juniors. Yeah, very true. I think the, uh, the Aram drilling will finish this weekend, and then we'll have the results for that coming through in a, in a month or two, which will confirm the uh, uh, hopefully confirm, I guess, but uh, the uh, the grades and uh, quality of the material there. This uh, recent round of rock chipping uh, that we've released, uh, we've done another round on the ground there, so we'll get some further results out for that. 
And as I say, moving into the uh, the Q4 period, we would be hoping uh, before the end of the year to get some holes into to that permitting notwithstanding. And then, yeah, the other areas that you mentioned, we'll get on the ground in the uh, uh, in the Pilbara. Uh, so there'll be some rock tripping and mapping type uh, results coming out there. And uh, the Arunta, probably not so much directly, but I think, as I mentioned, if others are successful up there, I think that'll continue to uh, to reinforce the uh, the exciting nature of, of that project and, and give us things to get going. Tennant Creek, uh, probably we haven't got the current work programs underway there, so they'll be a little bit longer term. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, that's definitely a sleeper in terms of the existing resource and the exploration potential there. So uh, we want to try and map out that exploration program into the... Uh, um, into the gecko area to, to see if there is a, another of those high-grade uh, copper gold deposits that you mentioned have been prevalent in that area historically. Well, there we go, folks. A very interesting story. Uh, got that mix of uh, you know, cash flow from iron ore, particularly if the iron ore price uh, holds and goes higher, and uh, the exploration excitement to come across um, numerous projects and numerous commodities, including the ever-sexy at the moment, lithium, and uh, who knows what the uh, joint venture partners in the, the Briar Basin might come up with too. So one to watch. Mark, thanks for your time today. Uh, good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. I no, really appreciate it, Barry. Thanks for the chance. Cheers. Cheers.